Welcome to Noteclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutterman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which is a game that was developed by Nintendo, EAD, or Grezzo, as yeah. it's referred to in the uh, <laughs> in the credits, at least. They did the... Uh, the Ocarina of Time 3D on the 3DS. Right, the developed 3DS by Grezzo. Mm-hmm. It was published by Nintendo and was released originally in 1998 on the N64, in 2002 on the GameCube, and 2011 on the 3DS. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so Ocarina of Time 3D, which we did play the 3DS version of the game, which uh, is the most convenient for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a copy of this on N64. Yeah, we do have the GameCube port. Mm-hmm. We do also have an N64 cartridge of Majora's Mask that we don't <laughs> know where it came from. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, I guess, a thing that happens when you do a video game podcast. Yeah, is... it's a it's a creepypasta cartridge. We're too afraid to play it. <laughs> it's the, uh, the Ben Drown version. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Ocarina of Time is an action-adventure game. It is a basically a genre-inventing game. The majority of action-adventure games that you have played in your life in some way hark back to what this game yeah, did. The majority. The majority of them. Uh, and it is considered by a lot of people to be, like, one of the best games ever made. Now, I don't like this game. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But I want to stress here, not only am I playing the 3DS version, which is obviously the loser's, the coward's way out of playing the most recent version of the game, but additionally, this is everything that we're going to say is like a retrospective mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so I I will not ever say that this game doesn't deserve a lot of the praise that it gets, Unless that praise is like, if you play Ocarina of Time right now, you'll have a good time. Then I might push back a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's okay. Because we just recently <laughs> talked about uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's my version of this. Where it's like a classic game that I'm. it just doesn't do a lot for me. Absolutely, so, yeah. So, yeah, everybody's got one, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, in Ocarina of Time... If you've played a Zelda game before, it's going to be hard for me to describe this game on a mechanical level in a way that means anything to anybody, because you all basically know what you do in a Zelda game at this point. You go around, you complete dungeons, uh, and you collect items, and you use those items to solve puzzles and beat enemies and uh, pick up big rocks. And that is the, that's the gameplay loop. Uh, a lot of what makes a Zelda game good or bad is the design of those dungeons. Um, and in very rare instances, the thing that can make a Zelda game good is what you do outside of the dungeons. Yeah. For me, that's the biggest difference maker, but I feel like that differs from person to person. I feel like that is... Okay, we're going to immediately get into this. <laughs> that is the thing I think this game fails at the most. Oh, yeah. I think that the the open world of, of Legend of Zelda ocarina of time is a boring nothing (laughs) and the dungeons are where all of the good content is. yeah yeah oh okay i wasn't saying like i think ocarina is great because it does that stuff good i'm just saying like what makes me like a zelda game 
like make makes them stand out to me is often the strength of what's in between the dungeons less so than the dungeons themselves because as far as all the ones that i've played i feel like the dungeons are always good sure so yeah uh (laughs) and i mean i guess that is sort of like that's the specialty of the the series at this point uh where well not at this point but like at the point of this game being released is this game took great pains to make all of its dungeons very differentiable and full of new things um it isn't till the very end of the game that you get stuff that like repeats like puzzles and things that are similar to other things you've done and it's mostly like that just so that you can cycle through all of your old items and keep things as fresh as it can be mm-hmm. uh and I, I i do i like that part of it i feel like i've grown up in an era of zelda discourse where everyone likes to talk about the, the zelda formula big quotes around that um, and how you get the item in the dungeon, you use the item to beat the boss, then you go to the next one, you get the item, you use the item to beat the boss. But I feel like there's a lot more diversity in the items you use in Ocarina than I remembered, mm-hmm. and I think than people give it credit for. Yeah, people like to, I think, over-exaggerate the things in their minds, and is actually kind of rare for people to go back and play older games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there's like the hammer in this game like you never really have to use it outside of the dungeon so there are some offenders but like the hook shot you even get that outside of the dungeon um and then have to use it to get in which i thought i have always thought that was cool mm-hmm. um and yeah like you keep using that you keep using the bow like the major things yeah are used throughout um so yeah i do think it i also think it gets over exaggerated yeah, I, I that is I I do want to start. I want to talk about the game as positively as I can mm-hmm. because I'm aware of the 1998, so 23-year uh gap between when this game came out and when I'm playing it now. Mm-hmm. This is my first time through the game. I've gone through it according to my 3DS. I've gone through it twice on that console and I played the gamecube version but i don't think i ever beat it yeah i didn't play it at the time either outside of like renting it from blockbuster twice and (laughs) probably getting like one spiritual stone and then having to take it back on monday or whatever Uh uh-huh um but i think i've played this game like seven times (laughs) um but yeah and i like it a lot but i'm not like somebody that's like super nostalgic for it like it's not my favorite Mm -hmm. but like i think i had a similar experience with ocarina of time um, for all you longtime listeners that like JJ describes with Metal Gear, mm-hmm. where he played it long after the fact and just like really clicked with it. For me, like Ocarina of Time is really easy for me to appreciate and understand why people like it so much. Sure. And I can understand why people like it. I mm-hmm. think that And I also like... have a good time playing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that there is the thing that Zelda that this Zelda game does really well is it it is like in that world that existed very briefly where a game could just where boys could be boys and ga- <laughs> games could be games where the plot of Zelda Ocarina of Time is extremely like bare bones i guess it's mm-hmm. not it's not like a big fleshed out world there aren't huge long there are some long dialogue sequences but they're not that long in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. um and 
it's sort of like steeped in this mythology that the game just sort of gives you an impression of. Yeah. Which means that a lot of the time that you spend in the game is just sort of exploring and looking around. Yeah, it's like you experience the world of a Zelda game more than, yeah, there's like a story. Yeah. And I think that Ocarina does a really good job of conveying that world, I guess. I agree. Like, my big picture thing I wanted to get into at the beginning to just kind of seed this uh, in yours and the listeners' minds is, like, I just wanted to talk about the idea of, like, uh, game development by, like, prolific, like, studios and designers who go on to be prolific uh, figures in the industry. Because, like, I feel like especially with Nintendo and you also see it with like Square Enix and like uh, Kojima Productions and etc. You see them like kind of like when they're young, they make a game that's really good that people connect with. And then like, it's so popular in it's time. It casts a shadow over the rest of their work. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like you can really see that in Ocarina of Time. Um, Cause like, there's a lot of like, the best way I could come up with to describe it is like this like inspired design where it feels like uh like like the tutorial at the beginning. Like it feels like they're really excited to be working with the free three D and they're like really <laughs> passionate and they have all these ideas, like the Deku tree really focuses on the verticality because they're like, Oh, it's Zelda, but it's three D now. You have to jump down the middle of the dungeon right. to break the spider web and like to fight the first boss, you have to look up at it because you have like the first person view option. And it it really takes advantage of a lot of the tools it has. And like I think as a result you get a lot of personality in this game. Like I didn't this wasn't my first Zelda, but I think like with the exception of like Wind Waker this probably has like the most personality of like all the 3d zeldas like right up off the bat um and it's like a personality that is steeped in in its own like technology like the fact that it it is based so heavily around this 3d yeah and like the fact that like navi is like the lock-on cursor and stuff like that like there's a lot of like creativity there that Mm -hmm. is really palpable and for me, yeah, like, uh, that's probably the thing that makes me come back to this a lot. Like, there's just something that I connect with on that level. Like, and the way I started talking about this, like, Nintendo at this time, I feel like that's what they were really good at. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of fallen off a little bit with that kind of stuff as they've gotten older. Yeah. I think one of my favorite elements of this game is the fact um because people talk all the time about, oh, Lack 2's the camera in Super Mario 64. Yeah, that's another great example. Yeah, where they were like, well, people aren't going to understand a 3D camera, so we have to have like a, an in-game reason for it to be the way that it is. And in this game, having Navi as the lock-on, and then having Navi not be able to target Ganondorf in the final fight is really just like a fantastic touch. Yep. It's like one of those things that, yeah, if people didn't know about Ocarina of Time, like if it was some like unknown game, I would be like, oh, dude, the game is so fucking, it goes so far in on its mechanics that you can't even use the lock on in the final fight because it's a, because it's a thing and the boss says no with Mm -hmm. a dark wave of energy. And it's like, and that would be like one of my selling points on getting people to play this game. Yeah. and then also you lose the Master Sword in the final boss fight, too, and you have to rely on your items. Yep. Uh, not to get too much into the final boss already, but, um, <laughs> yeah, like, really cool examples of, yeah, like, getting rid of the player's crutch. Um, 
which is always like cool when done well like you know when done effectively yeah i think that that's also a good thing if we're going to couch this discussion already in the this game is many years old and and therefore my experience of the game now doesn't reflect what my experience of the game would be then sure we should also couch <laughs> it in the this is coming out on what is essentially brand new technology uh, and a lot of the design decisions can be chalked up to that, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's that is a good amount of disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, no, this. it's definitely clunky in places like mm-hmm. old games, te- early 3D games especially tend to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you went back and played the original game, like you would not. I'd still be playing even, it right you now. You wouldn't even get halfway through it. Yeah, yeah, gotta open the menu. <laughs> gotta get put, put those the, iron boots on. Yep, do the iron boots challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is a joke, just for Dan. Um, <laughs> so, all right, where am I? Where are we at? Talking about this, like, I guess, like, sort of the three D aspects of it is a good way of starting. Um, and I don't mean the 3DS. The fact that it is in 3D <laughs> yeah. as, the, as opposed to top-down. <laughs> uh, and going into sort of the um, that first dungeon. I Okay, well, we'll start there because I think that you, you brought up like dropping down through the spiderweb in the middle of the dungeon. Which I think is maybe the height of this game's cool design for me. It, it is a highlight. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very good. And it uses things that are almost like foreshadowing later games in the series, um, even in that dungeon where you use like sticks to transport fire around, um, which can then you can use to burn things, and then bombs interact differently with different things. There's a lot of like a lot of the puzzles in this game use real world logic in the way that we have described in previous episodes as being big fans of. It's like the thing where you can take what you would expect to happen in the real world and apply it to the game without the game having to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, I don't know if this is a 3DS thing or not, but I feel like from what I've heard, it seems like Navi probably would have chimed in a lot more to say like, hey, look at the look at those rocks on the wall. Don't they look like they would be explodable? Yeah, I can't say that I remember. Um, I actually... When I was younger, I was I'm really patient now, but I feel like I was even more so uh, back then, because like I don't really remember Navi being annoying. Like I never like I I know she is because people always complain about it. But then I was playing it this time, and I was like, oh my god, she really does chime in like constantly. Like I don't remember it this way, mm-hmm. uh, and wouldn't be surprised if it was even worse than the original release. Yeah, and then like. Fucking G- G- Gabora Naboro, Zoro, the masked swordsman, the owl guy. Yeah, 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 whatever his name is. Yeah. I found that to be more irritating than Navi. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I, for me, it works because it is clearly just a joke. Yes. Like, at an impatient player's expense. But... Think to two of the of a similar kind of joke. Sure. The uh, the Zora King taking a million years to scoot mm-hmm. is extremely funny. Yeah. I don't like the owl specifically because it what it does is it tells you what to do. 
mm-hmm. all the time, even when it is screamingly obvious. Yeah, it's only a couple of times he shows up, though. I mean, a couple usually means two, and he shows up sure. like 12 times. Oh, come on. I mean, also, he'll show up when you enter his zone in Hyrule Field as well. Like, sure. So, And it forces you into another cutscene with him. But it's like... It's a combination of, like, the obvious joke that they were going for, yeah. where they put the yes and no in different places, and make it so that there's a chance that you'll accidentally say that you do want to hear what he says again, mm-hmm. and the fact that what he normally says is, like, hey, I know that you just got done talking to the Deku Tree, and he said to go to Hyrule Castle, but I think you should go to Hyrule Castle. Uh, do you want to hear what I said again? And it's like, no, because you just told me what the other guy already said again. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's not a helpful feature, and the joke isn't as funny as it could have been. Mm -hmm. And I think it mostly detracts from any, like, exploration fun that the player could be having. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) Navi doesn't bother me at all. I I I feel like like he only showed up, like, I talked to him, like, four times in this playthrough. (laughs) That just is impossible, but yeah. I, I feel like he only shows up, like, if I'm being super rose-colored glasses and under-exaggerating, I feel like max it's, like, six. Okay. I mean, I was going to say, I could probably name four, and it would leave out a lot of stuff that happens in the middle. Because mm-hmm. he does show up right after you leave the forest. Mm-hmm. He shows up when you enter the Lost Woods. He okay, sh- I, I guess I that I didn't remember that one. He shows up if you go anywhere near the vicinity of Lake Hylia. Right, you have to initiate dialogue with him, though. Like You have to talk to him, don't you? No, you, oh. he's in a tree, and if you come within like 600 feet of the tree, he's like, oh, <laughs> it, that, that way is like Lake Hylia, and if you go up that way, you'll end up in uh, Gerudo Desert. I, did, I don't think I've ever encountered him there. Uh, you didn't try and go there early, probably? No. Uh, and then I know that he shows up after you get the, uh, the silver gauntlets in the temple to tell you to go back and become an adult. Right. Even though the silver gauntlets say they can't be used by a child. Right. It just seems like it's a really unnecessary guy. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't disagree. I just feel like it's not at all annoying, (laughs) personally. But I will accept that I, uh, I don't know, (laughs) am super patient. Uh Uh-huh. And observant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and to me, that plays yeah, into... The fact that he can show up and talk to you in the field, and I somehow just never ran into him, it, it does seem pretty lame. Yeah. Well, it's... I don't know. I, it's a bunch of stuff, but I, I think that I'm, I'm straying a lot from my original point. But, oh, sure, sure. Uh, I, I, to me, it plays into sort of the like really bizarre difficulty curve in this game, because first of all, like I don't think that combat is ever too hard if you no. are the kind of person who sort of like goes around and does stuff. I can see dying on occasion reasonably. Yeah, I feel like this would be hard for a kid. Like if you're, I feel like if you're a less observant player, mm-hmm. it, the combat can feel hard. Like, I feel like thinking back to my first playthrough, which was a thousand billion years ago, uh, I feel like I can remember the combat feeling hard, like fighting the Stalfos in the first dungeon right. and stuff. 
I mean, in the in the uh, the forest temple. Um, but yeah, like once you just kind of like if you actually just like stop and pay attention to like what's happening and how the enemies are behaving, it's really pretty easy. Mm-hmm. No, the um, the hardest enemy in the game to fight uh, that is not a boss is the large DQ Baba. Uh, because they just sort of are an active hitbox at all times. So yeah. you really just have to hit them with ranged weapons. Uh, and that and that is not challenging, really. It was just, I always came out of those fights going like, why didn't I just shoot that with an arrow? Um, and that's sort of, a lot of the, I mean, we'll talk about combat as like a thing uh, in a bit. Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of, of, we'll call it nuance uh-huh. uh, on that. But... <laughs> what I what I was talking about before as far as difficulty in the game goes is combat isn't particularly difficult and the overworld stuff isn't particularly hard. Um, and that is the stuff that they introduce people to tell you about and what to... Like, obviously you need the quest giver, right? Like, you need mm-hmm. Sheik to show up and be like, oh, go to the forest temple. And then you, in your head, go, I go to the great Deku tree. Cause that's where the forest was before. Mm-hmm. And then you can sort of figure out where you're actually supposed to go. Once you have an idea in your head. And that's the stuff that they feel it necessary to put in like helpers for. They're like, Oh go. Yeah. Forest, go to the forest. I'm like, okay, I got it. Like, I understand I'm supposed to go to the forest now. Um, but the stuff that's actually difficult in this game is just really obtuse puzzle solving. Where a lot of times it's it's clear as to what's going on, but then other times it's just like we put invisible platforms here, like we don't know why, and there's no indication that they would be there. But now that you've tried everything else, you can pop the old eye on and notice that, that there is a, a a way through here, uh, and there's no help for that at all. Um, so I found the difficulty to be really inconsistent throughout the game. Where in the beginning, I was like, none of these dungeons are hard. I'm just doing stuff and eventually getting to the end. And then at the end, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) at all (laughs) in some of these. Yeah, like, I think my read on it is, like, they they clearly... It feels like they worried a lot about people just understanding what a 3D game is. Mm -hmm. And that's why they tell you, like, they feel like they have to, like, push players and to be like, oh... Like, Hylia's over there, and Gerudo Desert's over there. There's other stuff, not just what, you know, on the right side of the map. Um, which I think makes it some amount of sense if you dial your mind back to that time uh, and what it was like to play games back then. Um, but yeah, like, I think the hardest parts of this game are progressing in between dungeons in the child timeline. Um, like, having to get the fish to feed to Jabu Jabu mm-hmm. and, like... Uh, Etc. Etc. Like, uh, like diving down into the lake or under the Zoro's domain to get into Lake Hylia to get the bottle to give to the king and stuff. I guess, like, I I remember getting like stuck on that stuff forever. Like my first time I played the game, um, but like it seems somewhat intentional, and I have really mixed feelings on it because I do feel like the child timeline has this really like laid back feel to it where you're kind of, like, encouraged to just explore and, like, just see what the world is like and to take your time, um, much like being a kid, I think, is, like, the, uh, um, like, the theming of it Uh is interesting, especially the way it contrasts with when you're an adult. But, like, 
it, it, it is just a little bit too obtuse, but like it once again, one of those things that feels really unique about this game. And they always like reinvent the wheel, like outside of the basic formula when they do a new Zelda. And it's one of those things I kind of like to see a little bit more of, I, like try to iterate on that idea. Because like I really like having to like explore and it to feel a little bit more lax and open at the beginning. Um, I don't know, it just gives it a cool atmosphere, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's got, like, it has an, a, a focus on exploration that is different than what you get out of something like A Breath of the Wild. Yeah, or even the older ones. Yeah, It's like they're trying to, like, bring a different kind yeah. of, like, exploration feel to it. And it's not something that you get very often anymore. Um, <laughs> there are not, like, a million waypoints everywhere. Like, part of what Breath of the Wild did that made it interesting and fun with the open world formula is it made it so that you had a lot of options to choose from to do. And there were some things that you could just find along the way, but mostly what you were doing is stuff that was either entirely optional or marked on the map with a little little gold marker. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the traveling section doesn't have any of that. You just sort of have to go to all the zones and figure out what you're supposed to do. And I can comfortably say that in the eight years that it's been since I played this game the last time that I did not remember anything. As somebody who's played it like seven times, I always forget what to do. Yeah. (laughs) Like I did actually get into Lake Hylia pretty, uh, easily yeah if you pay attention like the diving mini game highlights the little hole in the in the lake yeah it was the diving mini game that got me there but the fish it took me i didn't know that's what i was supposed to do though i had an inkling in the back of my head that there was something in zora's domain and i just couldn't resist catching the fish uh that was really all it was mm-hmm. i saw the fish in the lake and was like oh i'm gonna scoop that bad boy up <laughs> And that was it. And eventually I got my my brain put it together that that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of intended. Don't you get a bottle as a reward for the diving game? Or no, you get it from the getting the letter. Right. You get the silver scale as the reward for the diving game. Yeah. So you do get like, there's like hints or like little nudges. Yeah. But you do really have to think for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... And I, there were moments where I didn't think for myself because I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, Legend of Zelda speed runs. Mm. And the thing that I see people do more than anything in, in, uh, Ocarina of Time is catch all those cuckoos because you need the bottle in order to do the wrong warp glitch. So I've seen people do this thing where they jump off onto the fence to get the cuckoo early. Uh And I totally was like, I know this. It's a Unix (laughs) system. system. (laughs) And got that bottle, uh, from the cuckoo lady. And I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be a breeze. And then I realized that because they don't do any of the dungeons, I was fucked. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I did have to figure a lot of stuff out myself, but yeah, uh, the, yeah, the Zora's domain part I think is tough. Goron village, I think is more straightforward. That one always trips me up too, but that might be a result of another thing we've talked about (laughs) on this podcast. Whereas you go into replaying a game with too much knowledge and you try to skip steps. Sure. I'm always trying to like there's something I was just like, do I have to bomb the Goron? And then do I, I play the song? I was like, do I have to light all the torches or is that a separate thing? Do I have to jump off the middle part into the spinny, uh, 
big Goron pot? Is that part of the quest? Or does that get me, like, an item or, like, a... You know, so I'm like, uh, I know all these things I have to do and I don't remember the order. Go. <laughs> so I always, like, fuck with myself there. I sure did try and jump into that pot for, like, oh, ten yeah. minutes. It's really not that hard, at least I don't think it is. I never got it. Oh, really? I eventually Googled what the fuck the spinning pot was and you throw a bomb in it. Uh, oh, okay, you throw a bomb in it. Oh, and it explodes, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's not that hard to jump into, but uh, maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, and I also know you have to like go back to Saria and learn Saria's song, mm. and you can play that for the chief in whatever. So yeah, I always mess up the order. I'm like, do I leave and go back, and do I blah blah blah? Because yeah. you go into that one little tunnel, and you can hear the Saria song music, but mm-hmm. you can't blow it up yet because you don't have the bracelet. So you're like. Yeah, I, I just get in my own head in that area a lot. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think that the the too much knowledge to be able to play it fresh, but not enough knowledge to just know how to do it, is the horrible middle bit. Yeah, that's where it really gets me, is, mm-hmm. is Goron City or whatever. I will say the Saria song thing, I don't get. I do not understand why that is the solution to that puzzle. Yeah, I, I kind of like what they're going for on paper, but it's mm-hmm. not an idea they really follow through on. It's like someone, someone tell the guy, like his guard outside of his room tells you he likes to dance. And then you get there's like the, the hallway is like right next to his room is where you can hear the song. So I think that's how you're supposed to put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea on paper of like having to go back to the previous area to get a thing to progress. But it's not something that's, yeah, like I said, like followed through on or like ever really uh, fleshed out into like an interesting feature of the game. Right. Yeah, I think if there is, if there's a big design thing that I think that Ocarina is like failing at, I guess, like something that it, it could have done better but just didn't and probably due to just inexperience with the format, that kind of a thing. Um, there is like a missed potential in how complicated they could have made certain things as opposed to just making individual, like one room complicated things. I think that like larger, more complicated puzzles with simpler setups and simpler nodes inside of them would have gone a long way in a game where you can literally go backwards and forwards through time. Uh, like this is, I I've said it to you, but the spirit temple is my favorite temple in this game. And a huge giant reason for that is because you do half of it as a kid and then you come back and do half of it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have loved to have seen you have to do it more times. Yeah. I feel like that one ends up as a result being way too easy Sure. Um, and like the two different sides don't ever really interact, which I think feels like missed potential. But um, I was going to say something else. Oh, I think it's one of the like what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's why the the Deku tree stands out is because it has on the micro level like the the kind of puzzle rooms like the rest of the game has. But then there's like a macro puzzle of like getting through the spider web of the tree. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And this game doesn't have that quite as much. Like the water temple has it with the water level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it might be the technology a little bit. Um, or yeah, like you said, inexperience designing for like a 3d 
a Zelda dungeon, but 3D. Um, the, and it is probably like impressive that the dungeons are as good as they are, given that because it seems like it would be really hard. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't like capitalize on that. Like, and they don't really use the time travel in puzzles very much. Right. Um, and when they do, it's in like the most simple way. Mm-hmm. Um, beans. Yeah. The beans <laughs> and, uh, I guess that maybe that is it. Yeah. I bought all the beans in this game. I planted one. Oh yeah. The beans, like <laughs> my thing on the, on the magic beans are, they kind of, to me, highlight like how once it's kind of like what I was saying with the dungeon going with too much knowledge, but series wide. Right. Um, because I'm so used to using certain items, if they introduce one that's new and unique, I like don't ever think to use it. Because mm-hmm. like, I think like my first playthrough, yeah, I did like you did. I only planted them in one spot and then just never noticed or thought to use them ever. Right. Uh, but you can use them to get a couple of heart pieces. So I actually did all of them this time oh wow and there were ones where i was like because there are certain like the one uh leading to zora's domain like the river there's a heart piece like on a platform yeah that's the one that i did plant the seed because it's right by the bean man you don't even need the beanstalk to get it there's a cuckoo like right at the beginning of the area and you just pick it up and you take it up the path and then you just use it to glide to the platform okay i actually did get that one with the cuckoo yeah i got there's another one that's like on a weird upper middle platform that i got with the bean yeah you can get that with the boomerang as well oh shit um but um yeah it's like stuff like that like took me like to way too long in the game to even think about because i'm like i need like the hook shot or you know like i need some other item and i you know i just run right past it Mm -hmm. um and if I didn't have that knowledge, I might actually try harder and figure it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I, I land entirely on that, because... I, okay, I agree. I, I'm going to take back a bit of what I said, because they do use more macro-level puzzle-solving in some of the optional, like, heart piece stuff, and yeah. I super didn't get anywhere near all of the heart pieces, so there could very well be stuff there that I am not thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the classic example of this is teaching the Song of Storms to the guy so that he can teach it to you as a, a as a, as an adult. He teaches it to you as an adult so you can teach, teach it to it him to as, as a kid a... so yeah. you can get into the well. Yeah, That is a necessary part of the game. That requires time travel yeah. and leads into a dungeon. So I do like that. Like, that is good and I think makes good use of the time travel in a way that has, like, an appropriate amount of setup as mm-hmm. well. Because you can run in there, like, t- 20 minutes into the game and be like, oh, there's the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and be thinking about that, having that stew. Yeah. Um, and so there could be some also, some other things that you get hard pieces for... for using the beans or using other uh, mechanics, like just waiting uh, until you get some of the higher level like items that mm-hmm. I just didn't bother to ever go back for. Yeah. Yeah. The hammer was another one on this one. Like I felt really dumb uh, because like, I, cause I've played this game before and I, I should know this, but uh, it's a Unix system for Christ's sake. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but like, I was like, I tried bombing a rock and it didn't blow up. I'm like, that's weird. And then I just kind of like walked away and, all the time I had the hammer and didn't try and hit the rock with it. 
uh, because I'm not used to the, using the hammer. Yeah. I don't remember breaking any rocks. Yeah, there are certain, I'm sure there's some you have to. Yeah, there are certain rocks, like it's in like Hyrule Field or whatever, you can't mm. bomb. And the solution is you have to break them with the Megaton Hammer. Makes sense. I didn't bomb a whole lot of rocks. Yeah. Um, in, in Just in total. So uh, <laughs> this all this is all tracking well with me. Yes. Um, God. Okay. So what do you, how do you feel about the ocarina of time? Um, <laughs> the actual like ocarina and how it's like used as like a mechanic in the game, like playing the songs and everything. I am split. I would say, I think it's as far as like the instruments in Zelda games and how they've become sort of like a staple of it. Uh, I think the ocarina works well. I think that it does its intended purpose. I wish it was a little faster to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like if you're just trying an ocarina on something and it has to go through the... You're like, oh, okay. We're doing the whole song, huh? Um, Every time that you play it. Um, And Zelda's Lullaby gets used, I think, like, just way too much mm-hmm. um but other than that like i like that it's a, a a puzzle solution i like that it has alternative things maybe my favorite thing in the whole game is learning sc- the scarecrow song uh and i used it practically like two times yeah i really don't get it <laughs> like I-, I feel like i've gotten the scarecrow song in only like half my playthroughs and then like have tried to use it and never gotten anything to happen. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I should look up what this is even for and just never have. Right. Well, it's just occasionally Navi will fly off to a spot mm-hmm. and be green. And that's a cue that there's something untoward about that. Right. Um, and I... I know sometimes you can play, like, Zelda's Lullaby in those spots, and it'll do a thing. Yeah, and sometimes you can play the Song of Time as well. Yeah. Uh, and it will spawn a time block. I wish that that was more clear. I wish that there were more instances where doing it mattered or did anything. But I will call out that the Scarecrow song is the one that I like, because oftentimes you'll be looking at a distant platform and go, now how do I get over there? And the answer is you play the Scarecrow song, the Scarecrow pops up, and then you can hookshot to it. Mm. Um, and it's just there to, like, get extra, like, materials and stuff, but, like, ammo or a heart, something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I like its implementation. I like that it's there. I just wish that there was, like, a bit more of an indication where... You're supposed what song you're supposed to use even because sometimes mm-hmm. I would play like- the scarecrow song nothing would happen then I play the song of time and a block appears and I was like well I just wasted like literally forty five seconds listening to this other song yeah <laughs> yeah no, yeah those those are cool like little Easter egg like kind of mechanics mm-hmm. that I usually like that sort of thing but yeah like they feel like they have a lot of potential to like be a more interesting part of the game but it doesn't explain them to you at all right yeah and i mean that's kind of part of why i like them yeah because you can easily miss the scarecrow song and beat the game and not know that it was even a thing you can get the scarecrow song and then have not no idea how to use it (laughs) 
actively try to use it and never figure it out. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that that is it could be better signaled, I agree, but I like that it is entirely optional. Um could use like different colors like navi could turn different colors navi could sure turn different colors because navi has three colors at all mm-hmm. which is like that off-white like bluish color mm-hmm. yellow and green. green and red or whatever and it's mostly just to indicate what she's doing at the time mm-hmm. and it's like wow there are so many other colors <laughs> Uh, to indi- like blue for the song of time, which has that nice blue effect and mm-hmm. makes blue blocks, it could be cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, to go back to the ocarina. Um, oh yes. <laughs> I-, I really like the ocarina. Like, there have been other games that have been like kind of like Zelda, and as you've said, like it's the grandfather of like three D adventure game design. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still stands out as a unique thing to me. Like, I don't feel like I've ever seen another game, like, try and implement, like, a musical instrument as a puzzle-solving element in the way that this does. Um, But I do agree, it is a little, like, tedious um, over the course of the game, and not quite... Like, if it was smoother, like, I'd love to see an iteration. Like, I'd like to see them bring back music as a more central theme. Because, like, a lot of the games have had instruments, but they feel like they're an afterthought or like a thing we have to include because Zelda. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I'd like to see like another game, like try and integrate music as much as this one does, or like see like an indie game, try it. And maybe that's out there and I haven't heard of it, but yeah, it's just something I feel like deserves another chance, but because of the way Nintendo does Zelda, I feel like it's unlikely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of potential there and I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think there's, I, I like the way the, the Ocarina is implemented. I also want to at least call out that I do like the way that the Wind Waker works as well as more of a pared down version of the Ocarina. Um, and by that, I mean, it has fewer notes, um, well, you're just conducting. You're not really playing an instrument. Yeah, but it functions in essentially the same way. Kind of. Uh, but, like, you use it constantly, and that, I think, is the problem in Wind Waker, is that you're using the Wind Waker just to move around the overworld. Yeah, it just changes the wind direction. Yeah, and well, which means that you have to pull it out all the time. Yeah. Um, and that gets a little bit, like... That's more irritating to me than how often I had to play Zelda's Lullaby yeah. in this game. Um, like Majora's see, Mask even does it worse than this game because of the Elegy of Emptiness fucking temple. You get to play it all the time. You get to play it like 50 times. It's like, that's not really a fun thing to do. Yeah, like, but, the, the, like, seeing things like, um, like a version of like Zelda's Lullaby or the Song of Time where you can use them in dungeons, like, mm-hmm. you notice a thing in the environment and play the song. Like something like that that was like a little bit more more seamless to actually do, um, and that was less obvious, like just clearly signposted with like a triforce on the ground. Uh-huh. I think could be really cool to like, and could even lead to like cool emergent gameplay style things. Um, yeah, like oh, I I pulled out the ocarina in this place and played this song and like blank happened. Like I just feel like it could be kind of cool. Yeah, no, I agree. If used in that kind of way. Yeah, I'm arguing that I think Ocarina does the musical instrument thing probably best in the series. Oh, yeah. There's no question. It's because it's like a core part of the game. Mm -hmm. 
uh, where it's, it's in like, the logo. Yes, and it's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I agree that yeah, it could be done better, and it could be iterated on in a way that made it more interesting. I'm sure there's something out there because like you could just e- you could easily replace Ocarina with Magic Spell and get the same mechanical effect. Yeah. But it's the musical aspect of it that yeah, makes like it unique. Yeah, playing and different cool. songs. Yeah, like yeah, the the presentation of it. Uh, I want to give people what they came here for. Uh, uh-huh. The content that they will hear no, nowhere else. Uh, and that is, man, did a lot of these dungeons <laughs> have a lot of really dumb rooms in them that sometimes you had to use the ocarina to get to. Mm-hmm. That's my segue. <laughs> How did you like it? Not good? Do we want to take a break and then come back and talk about dungeons? Uh, parched. Yeah, let's take a break. All right. After the break. After the break. <laughs> Ocarina of Time Consuming. <laughs> Let's talk about dungeons. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we've already said sort of our piece on uh, the very first dungeon in the game. Uh, though, if when we're going to talk... We, Have we? <laughs> yeah, because like the big thing about that dungeon... Oh, oh, you meant the Deku Tree. Yeah, the Deku Tree. Okay. Uh, I, for some reason, thought you meant the Forest Temple. Oh, no. For no reason at all. <laughs> That's the first... Well, in the real game, once you get past the <laughs> yeah, ba- baby so Link part. We have definitely set our piece on the Great Deku Tree. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about dungeons, I do want to at least make a mention, so that if you're just listening to this part of it, that I think the Deku Tree is fantastic. I'm almost sad that I've played Ocarina of Time <laughs> and don't get to then use this idea in like a Dungeons and Dragons game or something because the jumping from a high platform to break the web is incredible. It's a really good idea. And I wish that more of the game focused on stuff like that. Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. And it, it makes that first dungeon like a great vertical slice of the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it gives you a taste of what you need to be ready for. Yeah. Like it, it feels substantial, even though it's actually pretty easy yeah. uh, at the end of the day. And you could make an argument that it is sort of an extension of what made Dungeons special in other Zelda games, where they sort of had a central theme. And not not less so in, like, The Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm, but Like A Link to the Past. Yeah, when you think of A Link to the Past, you can think of the dungeons that have these overarching themes that you have to play around. Um, and one of my personal favorite dungeons in the whole series comes from a 2D game, uh, which is the dungeon in A Link Between Worlds, where you have to knock out the pillars, mm. uh, and it brings like the dungeon Eagle's tower, yeah, or something like that. And there's a similar dungeon in uh... Link's Awakening. Yeah, you have to bur- <laughs> break the pillar with the ball. Yep, and also a similar dungeon in Majora, where you have to use oh, the yeah. hammer to knock the pillar down. That one is an incredibly light version of this puzzle. Yeah, but that's sort of that's what I'm always looking for. 
Uh, and why I think the Water Temple, well, as much as I don't really like the Water Temple, I like the theming of the Water Temple, and I like the idea that you have to get your head around before you can get through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we, do we want to tackle these in order or talk more generally? Um... I always find it, like, a little bit boring when we talk about something, like, just one after another. Yeah. Because there's going to be some of these that I don't have a ton to say on. Sure, sure. Um, but I guess then I would just say about the Water Temple, um, playing it now, mm-hmm. you know, like, after having played the game before and the fact that you can uh, use the boots easily now and um, also the big one of the bigger things that tripped me up about the water temple the first time i played the game was in the central pillar when you're inside of it and you move the water up it didn't show you that it made a hole at the bottom right and it took me a thousand years to find that so i got stuck for a really <laughs> long time and it it so it fixed that too so with those two things uh out of the way like it might be my favorite in the game like i actually think it's pretty good um, yeah, and like you're saying, like it, it has like a central, like you have to think about the whole layout of the dungeon sort of thing, um, which I'm also fond of. Yeah, it's something. It's like that bigger picture stuff that really brings the, like the the whole dungeon. It brings the dungeon together like a fucking area rug uh-huh. uh, in a Coen Brothers movie. It's like the 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 Water Temple exceeds at this because it is so heavily entwined with the mechanics in a way that a lot of times the theming is more of an aesthetic thing like the fire temple yeah. has is a fi- is the fire temple because it is it is in a cr- the crater of a volcano but all that really amounts to is you having to wear a different colored tunic yeah and like it looks cool like i think the fire temple and the uh dodongo's cavern both have like a nice that molten aesthetic mm-hmm. that plays well on an N64 game because you don't have to worry about detail so much as giving an impression of something. Um, and it works super well for that, but it's just not that unique of a thing. No. Yeah. I think it's the easiest one in the game. Um, Fire Temple. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you're right. It, you could swap out all of the textures for different ones, and you would never know yeah. that it was supposed to be the Fire Temple. Yeah, because your items, like the central items in those two, are bombs, which is something that you're going to yeah. be using constantly. And the hammer. And the hammer, which is not fire-related. It's it's related to the Goron, is how they sort of tie it in. Yeah, that's the one that feels the most like it is just puzzle room stitched together. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like to joke on the ball and hammer, ball and hammer, the <laughs> arm and hammer baking set. Ball and chain. The ball and chain from Twilight Princess. Uh, the Megaton hammer is a good idea that is executed in the goofiest way, where it's like this hammer and you, it deals double the damage of the Master Sword when you use it, and it, it will smash big rocks and move pillars but you just sort of like walk around with it like it weighs nothing yeah like there's just no sense of weight to the megaton hammer and it makes me a little sad uh to use it because of that um but i mean once again kind of a minor complaint to go back to the water temple and, and this is what i was talking about before um is i feel like this game has uh, there's an epidemic in this game of the problem that I've described a thousand times, so apologies to long-term <laughs> listeners, where a puzzle is difficult to solve 
and then also difficult to execute on, where it gets frustrating when you know what you're supposed to do, but then have to take a bunch of steps to get there. Mm-hmm. And Or it's hard to just do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, repeat. The Water Temple is especially bad, because if you fuck something up, like me, n- not realizing that I hadn't gone into this one area with the water all the way down. Uh-huh. There's, like, a part where you have to raise the water level, then swim. Yeah, and you have to go down and right. up. And yeah. then once you get the long shot, you can shoot over across the little teeth gap. Mm-hmm. And I just had gone in there and just assumed that I had done everything in the room. And when I realized that that's what I had to do, I then had to go through the whole dungeon again, play fucking Zelda's Lullaby a bunch of times to get the water level to the right level so that I could then get back over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... This is the catastrophe that I'm going to call out in a couple of different dungeons. You get through the door at the top uh, once you get the long shot and raise the dragon head and shoot over and walk over into the next room. And then there's just, like, another dungeon. It's, like, a whole area where you, like, go in, you have to push a block around Mm. in a circle and then climb up a thing. And then there's this stupid incline with three spike pucks on it. And it's, why is that there? Why is any of that there? It's so unnecessary. It just makes the dungeon longer and adds two of the more, like, irritatingly boring parts to it. Where, like, the pushing the block is especially egregious to me because it just makes you run in a circle for a while Mm -hmm. in order to just move a block slightly over to one side. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also, like... You described it as opening the door and it being like there's a whole other mini dungeon there. Uh-huh. I kind of totally, it's, like, it's like two rooms. I, I know I totally pick up on what you mean though because like I remembered getting through there and then just the ramp in the boss uh-huh. and not the other like you know two rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it does feel like kind of tacked on. Uh, and in this playthrough, I got to the ramp. And thought like you had to put the iron boots on to walk up it, yep. which is you just walk up it. <laughs> uh, but like for some reason, really thought you were supposed to use the boots, and was like, "What am I forgetting?" Yep. Like, I almost <laughs> just looked it up before I was like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, <laughs> let me try just walking up it. And you have to go on one of the sides, even though the middle has yeah. Like you just a... have to time it so you don't get hit by a death buck. Yeah, but as far as I can tell, it's impossible to time it correctly if you try and go up the middle. Mm. And I was trying to go up the middle because it has like a little pathway. There. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't feel like I tried to go up the middle. I no, must have that, that latent memory <laughs> of having to go up the side. Yeah. There's also that room that, what are those enemies called? Tektites? The ones, like the water skimmers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They might, the water ones might have a different name. Sure. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, because the tektites are the ones that The jump. red, jumpy ones. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that whole room is like, what is even? There's, it's like, and it's a room that it's has got, like a perception of a threat, but it's not really there. It's got N sixty four itis, where the it really feels like whatever they imagined does not come through uh-huh. with what they were able to make. <laughs> They're like, it's a room with some water, the some it's got some suction, yeah, a uh, couple of whirlpools and yeah. boulders. There. It's like there's so much going on, but all you have to do is just swim to the other side. So yeah. there's no challenge. It's really weird. No, there's like a billion enemies. So it's like it's like it's I think it's supposed to be 
swim across and risk getting hit by all the enemies or that or iron boots underneath and risk getting hit by the rocks and sucked in the whirlpool sure but it's just really easy (laughs) uh to navigate yeah it's a really bizarre like decision to put that stuff there and they do it like a weird amount in my opinion i think that there are multiple dungeons that have like just like this extra little room that you have to do to complete the the dungeon and it's so they're largely they feel pointless when you think of the dungeon in the future this won't be what you think about yeah it it feels a little bit like like them feeling out the design mm-hmm. like it's a lot more refined now um but yeah it's like it, i can almost just imagine them designing it and feeling like well we put the d- boss right here like people won't be satisfied like, <laughs> we need like a little bit extra uh in reality we would have been totally satisfied uh, yes yeah well, it, yeah but it, it does you feel some of that like experimentation in this game yeah with the formatting and shit i want to spend a little bit of time talking about bosses sort of like on their own mm-hmm. but i will say right as a preview i don't think i don't know how satisfied i would be at any point after fighting the boss of the water temple so yeah <laughs> uh but yeah so surprisingly despite its notoriety i think water temple does constitute a highlight yeah I, it's pretty good yeah like i think my my previous favorite was always the forest temple mm-hmm. um it stands out in my mind a lot because like getting to it is like a whole thing and like having to get the hook shot and the fact that like saria is connected to it like it feels like it has a lot of build-up yeah um at least as much as you can get like in this game um given its age but um yeah and it's like in a like an abandoned castle with like spooky music and there's like posed in it and stuff. Like it just really stands out and it's actually one of the harder ones. Yeah, I was that's what I was going to call out is that the forest temple like, was the hardest one yeah, for me. Yeah, like it time. always gets me like every time I play it, like I always forget something. Um so yeah, and it, and it, but it's not too hard. Like I think it's actually like a like I don't know. Ask, ask me uh, tomorrow. I might say that's my favorite, but like it's that or the water temple. I think. Yeah, forest temple, and there are a few t- dungeons that I may or may not remember all of them when we're talking now. So, like, if you have an example, hey, drop it in the comments section. Uh, but <laughs> there are a few dungeons that have this neat design that things sort of loop back on each other in an interesting way, where the forest temple feels really sort of compact. Because you're going down these side rooms, and then they usually have an entrance and an exit that both lead into the central zone, um, which helps you, one, gauge your progress, because the fire lights up each time that you Mm -hmm. defeat one of the Poes, and also keeps them feeling separate enough that it feels like different challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually, I really like that about the Forest Temple. I felt like there were some zones that... And it, it kind of feels like a pretzel in yeah, my mind. It's kind of got pretzel design. It goes design. out and in. <laughs> uh, and it's also got those twisty gravity hallways. Which are always cool. Yeah, yeah which, like we were talking about earlier, would have been cool if those would have affected larger parts of the dungeon. Yeah. But, you know, N64 and all that. Yeah. If that was the theme of the dungeon, where, like, you, depending on what state the two twisty hallways were in, the whole dungeon sort well, of, like, you break wrapped. it in two halves, like... Right. One well, twisty hallway hallways. affects yeah the right half, and the other affects the left half. That would yeah. have been cool. Yeah, that would have been like the way to take it above and beyond. Yeah. Um, but it is it's it is still cool the way that it is. 
Um, I've always loved floor masters as an enemy type. Oh yeah, they're very cool. It's lame that Navi always warns you about them. Yeah, I agree. Because the music cues, like I think, are good enough that you don't need it. At least maybe the first time, right, is fair. But yeah, give it as an introduction to the enemy. Yeah, but then afterward, you can just let the player stumble into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the punishment to someone like me is pretty harsh of going having to walk back. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not realistically that harsh. No. Uh, so I don't think that it warrants, like, a warning every time that you go into the room. Yeah. I, I, I We mentioned it. I think we both mentioned it. But the Poe sisters, mm-hmm. I think is they're called, are also, like, just a cool set piece to the dungeon that make it memorable. Um, so, yeah, I think it's got, it's got a lot of, like, that, like, as we were saying, like, narrative and the way this game does it is more, like, environmental in like experience based rather than like a bunch of story right uh and this has a lot of that like propping it up yeah it it does it makes the it makes the forest temple stand out in that way um it's a good one i also like (laughs) that it has uh it has the 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 mini boss while being a little bit easy is a memorable one the pose oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and uh Obviously, Phantom Ganon is, like, a, a series classic oh, at yeah. this point as well. Yeah, if the whole, like, playing tennis thing wasn't so rote at this point, it, yeah. would, it would be a highlight of the game, like, that that boss fight, I think. For sure. Also, I'm sorry, but brief detour back to the Water Temple. Oh, sure, sure. Because I totally forgot to mention Darkling. Oh, yeah, I was saving it for the boss discussion. Okay. I was gonna bring it up, but you mentioned... I want to have a whole thing about bosses. Though. Oh, right. Well, I meant, like, but the boss bosses. They give you a Okay, yeah, yeah, we name. can talk about Darkling. I'm going to talk about Darkling because I have a question. Yes. Because I feel like an idiot. Is there Don't. a strategy to beating Darkling? Because I just literally mashed the B button and won eventually. It just uh, took a long time. So, my problem... So, I have a whole thing about Darkling. <laughs> okay. okay. Um... Darklink is infamously hard um, mm-hmm. because anytime you go to hit him, he like just kind of jumps on top of your sword and hits you instead. Right. Um, and there is a way to actually just properly fight him, but it's really hard to figure out. And the fact that if you lose to him, you have to go back to the beginning of the dungeon with three hearts because he doesn't take that long to get back to, but right. you have to take a detour to refill all your hearts. Uh, by smashing a bunch of pots and stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the part that's really annoying, is that you can't really experiment without being punished too hard. Um, but yeah, and like the pots outside of the boss room drop magic, and Din's fire is good against him, but like uh. you, you've only got so much magic. Um, but the way to actually fight him is that you you hold up your shield and block... And as soon as he hits you, you hit the attack button, and that'll give you just enough time to hit him, but the window is really tight. So you Uh. just have to wait for him to hit your shield and immediately attack back, and you'll be able to hit him. And and I looked this up this time, because, like, I always have trouble with it, because it is hard. Right. Um, I know, yeah, Din's Fire, and I know people say the hammer can work against him. But I think they may have, like, patched that out in the 3DS version because I couldn't get it to work. Mm. But I thought I had memories of it working. But um, 
So yeah, <laughs> there is a way to fight him, but it's super unclear and hard to figure out. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I was not being yeah, dense. Yeah. yeah, no, you're not at all. There's tons <laughs> of discussion about this online. Um, but when I did fight him that way, after I learned the way to actually just hit him, mm-hmm. uh, like I took like one heart of damage because I messed it up, <laughs> like the timing, and like that was it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't find him. I mean, I, he did damage me. I don't think that he ever, like, put me into use a fairy range, mm-hmm. uh, meaning killed me. Um, but I I did just, like, lock onto him and then just, like, I apologize already for the audio here, but just, like, <laughs> like, just mashed on the B button. And as long as you're locked on and you don't do the thrust move, mm-hmm. he won't jump on top of your sword. He'll just, like, block it. Mm-hmm. And eventually he'll try to attack and you hit him instead. Mm-hmm. So I ended up taking a bunch of damage just from <laughs> never holding the shield up and just mashing the right. attack button. But it didn't. It worked eventually. It just took a long-ass time. Yeah, I did learn a fun fact about that fight is that he will have the exact amount of health that you do. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, no matter. Like, so if you're doing a no-heart run, he will only have three hearts that's good yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> which and this is so unrelated to dungeons but yeah it feels like before you say your thing i'm gonna uh-huh. let you finish but beyonce i'm one of the greatest temples in ocarina of time um it's i just feel like it really fails to capitalize on the idea mm-hmm. uh like the the sword fighting mechanics are too simple uh, to like have like a cool one-on-one sword duel yeah. and then like the way yeah that it's they've tried to compensate for that just feels cheap and hard to f- puzzle out yeah it's like it doesn't it doesn't signal anything right and even navi's like tip on it is just like confront like... yourself <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh okay because myself cannot jump on a sword <laughs> and then do a sweet like kick at a face. That's not what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree on, on all that, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, all I was going to say is I like that this game gives you the option to skip the, the container at the end of the level. Mm. Uh, it's weird. I feel like in a lot of games they would force you to take the upgrade. Yeah, uh, Nintendo would now, Yeah, I feel like. So it's nice that if you are like somebody who wants to do a challenge run you can skip all the heart containers and it won't even affect anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yada, yada. I I always remember quite liking the shadow temple. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like the boat ride, even though uh, it's mostly just because it's cool. Uh Uh-huh. Not really mechanically or anything, but like I found like playing through it, this time it's actually pretty easy as well but it has like one like chest hidden by it like you have to use the lens of truth to see it's like you have to like it's like a pile of dirt or whatever oh, in the you, corner. Have to bomb? you have to bomb and then on top of that you have to use the lens of truth to even see the chest mm. and like i feel like that's pretty cheap was that not in the well they do something like that okay but like it definitely in um the shadow temple proper there's a small key hidden that way uh-huh. and i remember getting stuck on that for like ever the first time i played the game spoilers for my opinion but the shadow temple ends up to me being sort of like a very unmemorable temple it feels like a real hodgepodge and doesn't have a 
a strong aesthetic design, um, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. Um, is the Shadow Temple the one where you have to go down awful Skullchola hallway? Yeah. Fuck that. That part does suck. Because every time you fall off of the the slippery, fall-off, narrow, gu- guillotine alley, you have to start back at the top of awful Skullchola hallway. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever fallen off of Oh, that. God, I fell off so many times. <laughs> oh, if we're talking about the same part. <laughs> well, you go down, so awful Skeletola hallway right, there's like the, the downward sloping. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the long, narrow Yeah, guillotines. with the guillotines. Yeah, I don't think I've literally ever fallen off of that. <laughs> you, were, you were more sure-footed than I. And Did, or... Were you not using the hover boots? Where? Wait, for the guillotine part? Yeah, to just run across the gaps. Oh, fuck no. I jumped that shit every time. I didn't use the... I used the hover boots, like, in the four places it was necessary, and then jumped every other time. It might just be a personal thing, and another thing that's, like, unique to Ocarina. Um, (laughs) But, like, I think because of that, like, I just find them to be really cool. Because, I don't know, like, there's something, and they just have, like, wings on them. Like, there's something about them that's, like, really cartoony, almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just think that they're amusing. The item description for them even begins, like, strange boots. Yeah. I was like, they sure are. They almost feel like they're pulled out of another game or something. Like, there's just something weird about them, and I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I also like their design, and I like when they are necessary. Yeah, the feather boots of sneaking. Yes. But to me, it always feels like they are four puzzles, and a lot of the time I'll just say, like, I can just jump over that gap, so right. I would do it. Obviously, I, I didn't even think to use it in uh, the guillotine part, so they probably would have made that easier and made me have to run down terrible Skulltala hi- mm-hmm. Highway. highway. Well, I'm going to keep changing the name as many times as I can uh, in order to get back to where I was before, which then aids in the me falling off because I'm now rushing right. to try and get back there. It's like, okay, can I just make the Stealthos fall off the cliff, and then I fall off the cliff like an idiot because I was trying to, like, push him over? Sure. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't like that part of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What were we talking about with the, with the fucking shit? <laughs> uh, I just brought it up as probably my net the one i've kind of been bringing them up in order of how much i like them sure yeah um and there's something about the shadow temple i just really enjoy like i like and it's not really mechanically so much i found out on this playthrough because i found it to be pretty easy mm-hmm. um but like i like that like it's just in kakariko village like the fact that it's like just buried under hyrule like there's like even like a plaque that's like here it lies dark hyrule's dark history or something like that right like the implication of that is weird and cool and the fact that there's like a river of sticks with a weird boat (laughs) down there almost kind of makes it feel like underworld mythology kind of stuff um yeah there's it's just i think i find it to just be like the way it's designed, I feel like it, it feels a little out of left field for a Nintendo game. Yeah. Uh, for it to, like, lean into, like, the guillotines and the, 
like it implies like people were tortured down there like i just find that all to be really memorable Mm -hmm. this is one of the other the other of the two places that i use the scarecrow song though also when you get off the boat Mm. you can scarecrow on a ledge oh god yeah that makes so much sense (laughs) i feel like every time i get there i'm like how the fuck do you get up there Mm -hmm. it's the reward for getting up there is like five bombs (laughs) so it's like not worth it yeah you can do it Every time I stop and look at it, I'm like, how the fuck do you get up there? <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Yeah. And then I leave. Well, I also want to call out, and this is just like old games versus new games. Sure. I feel like if a new game had this exact same dungeon in it, if you did the Scarecrow thing, got up there, and then could jump to the other side of the river early and knock over the mm. thing, they would just let you get past that room that you have to get, but there's a key, there's a lock on the door, so you have to go back and yeah. go into the thing to get it. It would have been nice to cut out, just because it's like a two minute puzzle, yeah, that you would have missed. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the most linear, maybe the most linear dungeon in the game. And the boat being a big set piece of it kind of helps with that, yeah, because it you can't and do a lot where you have to take a boat. Bombing the statue is also cool, yeah. I agree with that too. Um, yeah, it's not a bad dungeon. No, uh, yeah, I just definitely I, not. Yeah, it's definitely more just like the like aesthetic and theme of it for me. Hardest boss in the game, in my opinion, though. Bongo Bongo. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about my favorite dungeon then. The Spirit Temple. In the Spirit Temple. Uh, Love the Spirit Temple. Love the look of the Spirit Temple. Yeah, very, very like, cool. Big statue. Big statue. It's very like '90s The Mummy, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the traps in an old or like Indiana Jones kind of. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's mostly it's it's a dungeon that uses a ton of your other items as parts, especially because you get to go in both as a kid and adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get to use other things and there's overlap in a cool way where if you are in the kid part you can still do some of the stuff in the adult part like you can get the dungeon map before coming back yeah yeah because it connects with the statue room yeah and i love that i love i love that there is this sense of like how deep can i get into this before uh going back and switching Mm -hmm. and they give you the uh the song the the whatever the oh yeah the um the, that's the one you use the least so it's the hardest to remember yeah but they give it to you right there so that like right at the entrance of the temple so when you go back to get it to adult link and then come back you're just right back there like instantly there's no like waiting around mm-hmm. um and not a whole lot of like foot travel which makes it it feels more like a dungeon mechanic of switching yeah. than it does feel like leaving the dungeon. Yeah, that one also has a lot of build-up to get to it. You get to do the whole, like, Gerudo Fortress and the getting through the desert to get there. <laughs> That's why I liked it, I think, as my favorite, because it meant I wasn't doing the <laughs> yeah. stealth section anymore. Yeah. I, I like the dungeon, but it felt just so easy this time. Um, like it, it just kind of felt like I walked through it sure. and I, it, it almost felt like it was missing rooms. Like, I think it might have uh, like significantly more added to it in the master quest version. Mm. And I was thinking of that cause I've played master quest like twice maybe. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I found it to be kind of disappointingly short. Sure. 
But no, I, I like a lot that's going on. Like the central statue room is very cool and totally the highlight. And I like the part like towards the end of the adult part where you like lower the light, the thing in the middle to make the light shine on the face of the statue. Yeah. Very cool. That one is one of the instances where Navi kind of like yeah. dumps on the possible. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it just it feels like it's it's there's a little bit of missed potential. Like it's the only dungeon, so it, get, it does get kudos for this, like being the only dungeon you have to do as the adult and the child. Yeah. But there's the yeah the, the interplay is like almost non-existent. It would have been cooler if you did have to crisscross between sides to like do different things. Yeah, you could debate that the that uh in the inside of the well yeah and the shadow temple are kind of one dungeon that you use both sides yeah of. yeah i like the way that those are broken up though mm-hmm. like there's something about like having to like you drain the water in the well and then you have to you go down as adult link and see that it's blocked then you have to really have to go to the past when it's open mm-hmm. i don't know yeah there's something about the way that those are separated i think makes it better yeah they feel like their own two different things uh, so that you don't have the expectation that they will yeah. interact it's one of those things where if you like it better one way or the other you can kind of just think of it that way exactly yeah yeah there is also like the fact that in the spirit temple it's very clearly telegraphed that you're supposed to do it mm-hmm. as an adult once you get to that point and that does sort of detract from it as being like a mechanic or whatever. Yeah, it might as well just have a sign there at the beginning that's like you have to do one half of this as a child and then the other half as an adult. Yep. But you have to get there as an adult, which does make having to go back as a child like makes you it's like something you you do have to think about it for yeah, a minute. Yeah, it's, it's it is unexpected. And it's one of the only spots where you get, like, main story progression in the child timeline. Because you yeah. go back and then the sage gets kidnapped in the past. Right. Who they do have to introduce right there. But that's not... I think that kind of works. Yeah. Like, it makes her stand out, I think, from the others. I agree. I know that her name is Nobura. Yeah. And I would not have remembered that if it wasn't a memorable character. Because it's a... It's kind of a long name. Mm-hmm. Uh but, like, I don't know, all of the other sages are characters that you've sort of, like, interacted with. Yeah. And it makes it, it makes her, it does make her stand out. I guess if you only have one like this. Yeah, the exception. Because I do think that interacting them with as a child and then meeting them again as the adult, like, adds something. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a relationship with them. Um, and, like, the fact that they talk to you in a more friendly way, like, makes sense. Right. So, yeah, it does. I think it adds a little layer there that is interesting. Um, and I, I think, um, God, I'm going to blank on her name right now. Um, Princess Ruto. Ruto. Yeah. Like the whole like engagement thing. While it is like a pretty simple joke, I always find it to be pretty funny. Yeah. And I think that that works. Yeah. And it's like cute. When you meet her as, like, an adult and she's still like, uh-huh. hey, I'm holding you to this. Like, she, that's like, I don't know if the tone is supposed to be that, like, she's obviously teasing him because, like, what they're dealing with now is so crazy. And obviously they're not worried about that. Uh-huh. And that happened when they were kids and everything. But, like, yeah, I just like how she, like, acts like she's serious about it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I just think it's cute. Yeah, I and I that's how I read it personally. 
Um, and it works so much better than everyone else wanting to fuck Link also. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt like it was great with her, and then it was ruined by everyone else. Like, even, like, fucking, uh, uh, the name I said Naboru? a second ago. Yeah, Naboru. Or something like that. Yeah. She said you would have, if I would have known, you would have grown up to be so handsome. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, this is the last That's save. Rudo's thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're really, like, uh, fucking getting in on that, on the, uh, on her, her stees. Yeah, like, I just feel like it could come off as creepy. Mm-hmm. Or like, especially playing it now is like kind of weird, um, but I, I think it works. Like, I think it it plays as a joke well. Yeah, Princess Rudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's that? It's the spooky sounds of un- in the well. Uh, I'm gonna talk about in the well. Yeah, but only enough to say because it, I think that a lot of what makes the well cool is what makes the shadow temple cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) the part in the well that stands out to everyone who's ever played this game is the dead hand, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the boss of this like mini dungeon or the mini boss of the macro dungeon. If you want to lump them both together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to basically expand this to cover the whole game to say that they did an incredible job with the limited with the 64 bits of video memory that they had to work with Mm -hmm. of making a lot of genuinely very creepy enemies um and yes the dead hand definitely stands out because of its like just unapologetically gross form yeah it's those textures go a long way i feel like i always hone in on this Mm -hmm. uh, but uh like the like fleshy bloody weird textures like that are always like kind of creepy yeah and it is successfully creepy Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then also like the re-deads and their textures are pretty bad and to me Mm -hmm. look like dog shit literally and figuratively but the animation sells them like i think they look really good when they latch onto you it's Mm -hmm. horrible uh, Gibdos don't get the same pass because they're just a mummy who yeah. moves in the same way as a redead. Uh, and then, like, the P-hats, which I don't know if that's what they're called in this game, the big thing in Hyrule Field that flies oh, that thing, is yeah. terrifying in, like, a kaiju kind of way. Yeah. Uh, because it's just so large. Um, they do a really good job, I think, with making things seem threatening and then sometimes just downright unsettling. Uh, and I think it's something that the series sort of, like, wants to keep doing. Like, you look forward to Majora and to Twilight Princess. Uh, Wind Waker. Even, Wind Waker, Even though know? it's a cute game. Redads are still pretty scary in that. Yeah. It's like they want to make sure there's, like, that little element of horror. Because I think it's really integral to, like, the fantasy adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, hard agree. Hard agree. Uh, you even get some of that in, like, the NPC designs and stuff. Like, places that aren't supposed to be creepy can be. Mm-hmm. And, it yeah, it definitely is part of the flavor. <laughs> Fucking angry windmill guy. He looks kind of creepy to me. Yeah. I would not want to hang out with him. Uh other than that, Bottom of the Well, I think, has sort of the same problems as a lot of the dungeons do, where it has this one 
overarching mechanic that makes you redo huge portions of the dungeon. Yeah. I had some friction with it this time because, like, you can get the Lens of Truth really early, but, mm-hmm. like, I just didn't notice that little... Uh, little hole the little hole in that area because i drained the water like immediately and then even got the chest in the spot in front of the way you came in and just didn't notice the fucking other hole in the ground but um so i did a lot of it without the lens of truth which led to a lot of trial and error yeah but i still think it's my favorite child link dungeon though (laughs) because like i like that it's focuses around the lens of truth as a mechanic and yeah and it has all of the creepy stuff um, and in going down there as Child Link, I think, adds something to it, too. Like, they, it, once again, kind of like the Shadow Temple itself, like, the aesthetics and theming go a long way, but even more so, I think, in the bottom of the well than the than the dungeon proper for me. Yeah. Frustration and all. <laughs> like, it's still a really cool dungeon, I think. Yeah. But, on the other hand of frustration... <laughs> The... Fuck it. <laughs> now, I still don't hate that dungeon. Um, what I do hate is Jabu Jabu's Valley. Oh, yeah. Which is my least favorite Child Link dungeon. Yeah, it's that thing that you say anytime you replay a game you really like. There's that one part you're like, oh, no, I don't want to replay that. Uh huh. For me, that's Jabu Jabu every time. Yeah. It is, and it's not even the carrying Princess Ruto part that it that sucks so bad. I mean, that is part of why it sucks so bad. <laughs> it's not that she's kind of more like an item that you just kind of throw around. Yeah, so she's not so bad. No, but the just needless walking around and invulnerable enemies is it's just incredibly frustrating. To yeah, deal like with. the electricity and stuff. Like it is actually pretty punishing. Yeah. It deals a lot of damage, also makes you just stand still for a, a period of time while it goes like, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't dig it, and I really like it aesthetically, mm-hmm. and it just ends up, the yeah. boss is, is a nothing that's mixed with a puzzle that's kind of a nothing, yeah. where you just throw a boomerang at some colored tubes. Yep. Uh, yeah, no. 10 out of 10 for a, like, concept for a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Like, inside of a big whale thing. Whatever Jabu Jabu is supposed to be. Fish deity. Yeah. I even like the fact that the buttons are these, like, weird fleshy pustules <laughs> that, like, seem like it would make sense as, like, a thing that when you press down on it reflexively opens, mm-hmm. like, a wall. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good visually. And, like, it makes sense. But just no part of it is any good. (laughs) Also, I hate the fact that uh, you climb so slowly, and if you fuck up in the bottom part where Rudo spawns, Mm -hmm. you have to go, you have to climb up the wall, and then just drop down one of the, like, eight holes there. And, like, yeah, I get that there's an obvious tell which one you're supposed to drop down because it had a thing in it. But I don't, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has a lot of the problems that I... It, though it does not have the useless dungeon addendum, it, it, once you solve oh. the, the most of it, you just go straight into the boss room and fight the boss. So it gets a pass for me for from for that. Uh, so 
I guess, and then also to Don Ghost Cavern. That's eh, fine. Yeah, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> I actually like... Well, okay, yeah, I forgot we're talking about bosses later. I yeah. like the boss in, in Dodongo. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to talk about, like, a few other, like, ancillary things. Um, how do you feel about the magic? Um, you just, like, the magic bar in general, that it's tied to the spin attack, and then also, like, Din's fire, Pharaoh's wind, and Nero's <laughs> love, and etc. Um... I kind of, I like that they have a bunch of items that have a shared resource meter, but I feel like it was never limiting enough to matter until the fight with Ganon. Like, that's the only time that I ran out of magic, and they just litter the bottom of the arena with pots to refill your mana. Um, And otherwise, I didn't really... I never noticed so much because I was never tempted really to use like a fire arrow over a regular arrow. Mm-hmm. And I'd never use a spin attack. I never use Nyra's Loved. I never use Furore's Wind. Even though I feel like the Forest Temple would have been an excellent place to use Furore's Wind, I didn't think of it until mm-hmm. I was like done with it. Did you even have it yet? <sighs> I don't remember. Yeah. If that if that is if you get it there or not. Cuz I didn't use it ever. So yeah. Din's fire was the only thing that really used magic for me up until you get light arrows and are forced to use them in a few situations. I don't know. It's not it's not my fa- I feel like magic has been a big failure. Yeah. In every Zelda game because they keep adding a meter that does nothing. <laughs> no, yeah, that's why I brought it up. Like uh, I think the last main series game it appeared in was wind waker like they didn't have completely dropped it ever since mm-hmm. um and I, I don't know how i feel about it because on one hand yeah like they never really did much with it but i feel like there's potential there like i'd like to see them try it again yeah um yeah like the uh having to, it is a little bit annoying to manage um like picking up all the pots like i did use fire arrows a decent amount but mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I just feel like it's something that I'd like them to, to do again and see what happens. Yeah. I, I would like... Th- I think take a page out of more modern game design. Like, look at something like a Hollow Knight that... I I mean, I think kind of by just the state of being a video game has itself some relation to Zelda in, in, a, in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh like make it so that the magic isn't a resource that you pick up from pots have it be something that you regenerate by attacking or by doing some other thing um just to encourage you to use it more often Mm -hmm. like you know that you always have a way to get it back and i think you could do something cool with it because like yeah nera's love seems like it would be a cool thing to use on occasion like allow for some riskier strategies especially with the touch screen where you can like quickly activate it and deactivate it mm-hmm. but no it's uh <laughs> there's just you just never put it on your hot bar because there's no reason to use to waste the magic when you might be forced to use a a, a light arrow or something yeah. in the future the um in uh, a link between worlds, you had the little purple bar mm-hmm. that governed like all of your item usage, which I thought was like an interesting uh, way to do it because like it refilled slow to keep you from spamming stuff too much. Right. So yeah, and it also governed like the magic items and things like that. 
So yeah, yeah it's it just more re- like a stamina bar. Yeah, it just refills. So that's not a bad way to handle it. But no, yeah, I agree. Some kind of retooling, a more modern retooling, could be cool. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised, and by surprised, I mean I'm I'm positive this exists, and just I don't know about it. There's got to be like a fan remake of. <laughs> Of Ocarina, right? That's just like a total conversion, changes the mechanics and shit? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like those kinds of mods are much more complicated and don't know if they exist. Yeah. Um, before we... Oh, you said you had a few ancillary yeah, things. Let's go on Nothing uh, too crazy, but uh, I also wanted to just bring up um, gold skullchillas as a collectible item, because they seem like the sort of thing that you would like a lot. Um your completionist nature um but i really like them i find them really satisfying to collect i like the rewards you get from them i like that they make a noise and it sounds kind of similar to the way you sound while you walk around like your shield and your sword clank together yeah so you might not notice them right away yeah i like them just well implemented i think i agree i like them as a collectible i don't like the ones that you have to like go catch bugs and then use them to dig them out of the ground Mm. Um, this, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with something that might surprise you and then completely fucking go back to what ex- you expect from me. Uh-huh, you got to flip flop. I'm going to flip flop a bit here. I did not treat this game in a completionist oh, yeah. way. I'm not surprised about yeah. that. It was something I knew that if I did, I would never finish it in like a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. But then... I did end up with like 53 Skullchillas. Yeah. Which seems like way more than I would have gotten if I was a different person not trying to finish the game. Because there would be moments where I would be like, I'm looking at Skullchilla and being like, I can get that. It's like, look at my total. I'm like, I'm not going to get the next reward by the end of the game, almost certainly. And could just skip this with no penalty. But it's like, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's about how many I got, so... Okay, not bad, not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did end up... I don't know what the reward for 50 is, because I think I cleared 50 with ones that were in Ganon's castle. Mm. But uh, I got the up to the, like, giant's wallet, right. which did nothing for me, because <laughs> you, you stop spending rupees pretty quickly in this game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. They were cool. I do like talking to the, <laughs> the big sad spider. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. The, once again, I think that theming is cool. Mm. Um I did want to like call out that I thought that the pose kind of sucked though as a collectible in this. They wisely in Twilight Princess just combined the two, and they had the cursed guy in uh, Castle Town have you hunt down Pose to break a curse. So they that... got the cool theming and uh, just one collectible instead of a second one. Yeah, that one I did get all of. Oh um, wow! Yeah, back in the day. Um, in this game, did you know mm-hmm. that you can drink Pez? That makes sense, although I never tried it. I, di- I didn't know it would work. Uh, I didn't know what would happen. I was just trying to get rid it just of the kills po. you. <laughs> I, like, grabbed one mm-hmm. uh, and was just going on my merry way and didn't go back to take it to the Pove salesman, whatever the hell mm-hmm. she is, and uh, needed the bottle for something else, like the blue fire or whatever. And so I went to, I was like, can I just dump the Poe out? And he was like, pop, and then just drinks a ghost. And I was like, that's badass. But also, why? (laughs) I think it heals you, but I I actually had full health and didn't know if that was the case. That's kind of weird. (laughs) 
Uh, I also wanted to if that if you were done. Yeah, no, yeah, I got nothing else on post. I just wanted to bring up the fact that like Epona is optional. Mm. I think that's weird. <laughs> like an interesting decision, but I like it actually. Um that you actually have to work for her and therefore will like actually remember to use her ever. Because, uh, like, I think in Twilight Princess, she's just your horse. Yep. And even though that game is bigger and she has more utility, I feel like I'd never <laughs> use her at all in that game. And in this one, I do sometimes. Yeah. Because I had to put in some effort for it. Um, but, yeah, that and there's some of, like, like the other side quests. Like, did you get the bigger on sword? No, fuck no. Okay. And, or do the mask side quest? I did the bigger on sword in my last playthrough. I did not do it this time because that trading quest, yeah. it just seemed like it would take a very long time to do. It's not that bad. I never did the mask quest in either mm-hmm. playthrough, so I don't, I don't know what that's yeah. about. I, I like both of them, but I think it has a little bit of that problem um, that we were talking about where it's a little bit too obtuse or a little bit too hard to find, like nothing really signals to it. Yeah. Because like, you get the Keaton mask is the first one you get, and you give it to the one guy. In uh, Kakariko Village. Who that specifically one's... asks for Yeah, pretty <laughs> obvious. But then after that, it's like, just fucking talk to everybody, dude. Like, the people you do give them to make sense, but, like, not in a way that you would ever think, oh, that guy. Right. Uh, with the exception of the Bunny Hood, which is the last one. You, you give know... to the Running Man. Yeah, you know, you know you give that one to the Running Man. But... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that they're fun side quests, yeah, but they're just not, they're not very visible yeah, I, I had the skull mask in my inventory till the end of the game. Yeah, you give it to a skull kid <laughs> in the Lost Woods. Uh, I guess that makes sense. I tried to give it to the kid who's walking around uh, looking like Dampy. You were one step ahead. Oh, you, shit. After that, you get a re-dead mask and you give it to him. Of course, of course, the re-dead mask. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I did not know about any of that. I also still. No, I, I mean, first... I didn't. I think like my first two or three playthroughs, I didn't do any of it. So, I know I uh, I had the pocket cuckoo uh, for the whole game and just never found where Malin was. Or yeah, Talon. he he's in Kakariko Village yeah. in one of the houses. He's just asleep on a bed. Oh word. Yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, that also that quest was a non-starter for me. I knew that you were supposed to wake him up and he would give you like a blue one. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't find him, and so that quest went nowhere for me. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's. Yeah, I feel like it relies a little bit on that, like, um, and we've talked about this a bazillion times, but like that kind of older game mentality where they were kind of designed with that expectation that you're somebody younger who's going to like have a bunch of free time to just spend on like talking to everyone. And right. Yeah. Like you're just gonna, it's the one game you got this summer and by God, you're going to play it all summer kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think (laughs) if I didn't have memory of playing the game before, this probably would have taken me all summer. Yeah. Like now, I don't know if yeah. I had tried to like do all the stuff. And it would probably be more enjoyable that way too. Debatably, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you want to talk about them bosses? Let's do them. Uh, I didn't like most of them. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel that way about most Zelda games, though. I don't know if that's a hot take, um, but I feel like. There are a very few number of Zelda bosses that I think are, like, good bosses, and most of them are just, like, fine. 
I think that at best for me, it has a ton to do with the arena more than it does the boss. Yeah. Cause that's what kind of makes it interesting for the most part. You're going to be doing as everybody makes fun of, especially in the Majora's Mask 3D remake where they added glowing eyeballs to bosses. <laughs> you attack a glowing eyeball and yeah, that's the way an you obvious weak spot. Yeah. So I get that, and I also get why the bosses aren't very appealing to a lot of people. But I think the bosses in no. Zelda games are puzzles, mostly. Yeah. I feel like most people do really like the bosses in Zelda games. Okay. Aren't really appealing to some people, I think. Okay, there probably, we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It To me, I feel like I usually do, because mm. I'm not a boss fan, Right. and the fact that the Zelda bosses don't feel like bosses is probably why I generally like them. Yeah. Um, this one had a few standouts. I think Phantom Ganon and the Ganondorf itself fight. Are, not Ganon, but Ganondorf, are both fun to play mm-hmm. still to this day. Um, and I like a couple others, probably, that aren't springing to mind right now. I like Vol- Volvidia. Volvagia. Volvagia. Volvagia is very cool. Yeah. I think that's a good Even boss. Even though you just kind of smash him in the face with a hammer. <laughs> like, it's really satisfying to it's, do. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's fucking... They build up this this antagonist. Yeah, the dragon. Yeah. yeah. He's like the only boss in the game that gets this that isn't a Ganondorf. Yeah. Where they're like, they took all of my people and fucking put them in cages and are threatening to feed them to an ancient dragon. And I'm like, that's hardcore. And then you play whack-a-mole with the dragon. And yeah. It's, it's kind of great, but also like... It subverts how cool and scary the dragon seems like it's going to be. Yeah. Fucking, what's his name in uh, Wind Waker? The dragon in that game. Oh, Valu. Valu is what you imagine in your head the dragon is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Like this big, huge dragon. But it's just this, like... It's more like a like a Chinese kind of style dragon. Yeah, that just sort of is long and snaky. It's like one of the dragons from Breath of the Wild also. Yeah. Yeah. But more <laughs> ethereal. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, and Bongo Bongo gets a little bit of setup as well because he, like, kidnaps Impa or whatever at the beginning and he's invisible. Right. Which is a little bit of a build-up, but... Bongo Bongo is just... <laughs> I mean, I'm dumb, so, like, we'll just put park that uh-huh. at the beginning of this conversation and take the keys and throw them in the woods, uh, because I'm going to live in the dumb zone for a while. Uh, it took me forever to think to use the Eye of Truth to look at him, and it's, like, literally the whole dungeon. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> like, the whole dungeon is using the Eye of Truth in the appropriate places, yeah. and they show you him vanish into the shadow yep and he's yeah at the beginning of the dungeon he's invisible you can't see him uh-huh. but no that wasn't in my fucking frame of mind for some reason so it took me a long time to figure out how to damage him mm-hmm. but then also just the bouncing is irritating to me yeah i like the boss it's, it's just the hardest one for me yeah it took me a try or two i think to get the timing down. Like, once I reacclimate, it's a boss that you, I feel like you have to kind of get into mm-hmm. a groove for. So I sympathize with that. Um, I always feel like Bongo Bongo's design is one that you would really love. Yeah. Like, it seems like the sort of thing, like, if 
if we if you were fucking the art director of Ocarina of Time and the artist brought you the sketch of Bongo Bongo, you would be like, yes. Yes, please. A plus, mm-hmm. five gold stars. He's like, I think we Start- you fight him on a big drum. I'm like, what? <laughs> you stop digging, you hit gold. Get this, give this man a pay raise. Uh, start modeling it immediately. Uh, you're right. And it's part of the reason why I do like Bongo Bongo in the end, even yeah. though I'm a big dumb idiot. Um. I want to give my dishonorable mention, least favorite boss, has nothing to do with how the boss plays necessarily or the design of the boss. It's just like the biggest void of missed potential, and that is Twin Rova. Uh, I thought you were going to say the Water Temple one. Oh, no. I also don't like the Water Temple like one. like Omolga or something like that. Yeah. I think that's the, the squirrel Pokemon. Oh, whatever. They might have the same name. I it's don't something know. that has those syllable or those uh, consonant sounds in it. Yeah, Imoga, I would give a pass to because it's sort of an interesting arena. Yeah, but you don't ever need to use the middle platform. No, in fact, you want to stay out of it. Yeah, and that part kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I wish that you had more incentive to be there. I don't like the Twin Rova fight because it's. It's so obvious what you're supposed to do. And it's really easy to do. It's super easy to do, and it's hard to take damage. And then when they do the ultimate, their ultimate attack, where they form together and they shoot individual projectiles instead of laser beams, Mm -hmm. only, I think, at the very end, I think it's like the last one that you have to land do they ever mix up what mm. order they throw them in so it's always just block three times shoot the laser beam jump over hit him with a megaton hammer jump back and you just do that a few times and you're done and then it's just on the last one that they're like "Ooh, throw a fire one now so you have to not block it so that your shield doesn't get depowered mm-hmm they could have done so much with the with that concept alone. Like, have them throw, if they threw the laser beams at different times and, like, overlapped occasionally, would make that part more challenging. If they mm-hmm. shot, just always. I was expecting it from the beginning that they would go ice, fire, ice, fire. Or, like, maybe it's random. Ice, ice, fire, ice, I fire, thought it fire. was random. At least for, the, for me, for the first three attacks that I landed on it, yeah. It was just ice, 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 fire, fire, fire. No, like it they never... definitely didn't do that for me. Oh, weird. <laughs> I guess I take it back and I just got extremely lucky. Yeah, it definitely went back and forth huh. for me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that almost kind of feels a little bit like time crunchy to me. Like I felt like the like I was saying earlier, like the whole spirit temple feels a little short and easy to me and mm-hmm. the boss kind of feels that way too yeah so I, that might just be total speculation on my baseless slander uh but it, it kind of feels like maybe they were uh running out of a little time a little that then you play the song of time yeah uh, to go back in seven years to have more time to work on the game <laughs> that's how they managed to get uh majora out yeah. in a year is they went back seven years uh yeah i don't know that's kind of i like most of the other bosses i think are more on the less notable side i like dodongo because it is like 
the, it is the most hectic fight in the game, uh, in my opinion, because you're just, like, literally running away from a big rolling boulder for yeah. most of the fight. I find the octopus to be a little bit more like that because of the spike, the spike circle wall, in yeah. the middle. <laughs> is that if you're just chasing it instead of being chased by it? Yeah. That one is is also pretty hectic as well. That's a mini boss. Yeah, they both both just run in a circle around a damage pit. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. It just something about it has always been really funny to me, and like just seeing Link just get fucking just eating shit from Dodongo crashing into him. It's a funny funny time. Yeah, there's like a spot in like the corners of each one where you can just stand, and he just goes, goes by, by you. you. But like, where's the fun in that? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It does make it less uh, interesting, but... So you're talking about, then, the final boss? Ganondorf. The dwarf himself. The dwarf himself. Uh, Yeah, so we've already kind of talked about the lightning tennis Mm -hmm. game, and... I remember being worse at this than I was um, my first time through. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think maybe I was playing. Maybe I was playing with three D on, and it was fucking <laughs> with my depth perception. I can't. I couldn't tell you. Sure, but I did just sort of like obliterate that. Like he just never landed a hit on me mm-hmm. this time, which was strange for me because I remember just dying in that fight. Uh huh. Um, but it's still cool, and I love that he knocks out the ground. I wish yeah. that he would do it more. Yeah, because it it would just make the fight a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it's I think it's genuinely cool in a way that I do like. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, I, I yeah, and we already talked about how he gets rid of Navi mm-hmm. um, for the fight. Very cool. Not too hard, but no. definitely memorable and fun. Yeah, I felt like they they probably felt like they couldn't make it too difficult because they knew they wanted to do the escape from right the tower and then the ganon fight at the end Mm -hmm. which i'll give credit to the ganon fight i finished that fight with uh three quarters of a heart (laughs) left it just took me a few times to get the pattern down of what i should be doing right uh but it felt like like i might actually have to use one of the three fairies i had (laughs) with me yeah so that's something (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I like you can actually fall down. Like, the actual, like, pillar, like, the boss arena is more than just the floor that you're fighting on. It's not really anything specific, I feel like, that adds to the fight. It just makes it feel more, like, gives it more of a sense of place and make it feel less like a boss arena. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. It feels like you have you've intruded on his inner sanctum. Yeah. Which he did not set up to have a tennis match in. <laughs> Uh, I don't like that the pots respawn every time that you climb up the, the ladder pillar, but like, that's just... I didn't just, know that, but... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so if you run out of, uh, of, of light arrows, this probably took me longer than it took you because mm. I was not jumping over to hit him. Oh. I was just using additional light arrows when he was <laughs> on the ground, and so my magic would drain pretty okay. quickly, and then I'd jump down into the pots, right. get my magic back, okay. and climb back up. Uh... Only later did I, when I ran out of magic the first time, I found out that, oh, yeah, I guess you could just run on over there, huh? And hit him, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I thought it worked really well. I think that if I, 
was less dumb at the end, I would have liked it if the pots were, you had to use them more sparingly. Mm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, actually really loved the Ganondorf fight. Thought it was like a genuinely fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you run down the tower, which is less fun, but you know, is I like it. It's fine. I, yeah, I think I find it really memorable. Um, once again, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, it's hard to like put it into words, but like, I really do feel like it adds something like the way it breaks up the fights and you actually get to spend some time with Zelda, um, which you don't get to do in a lot of Zelda games. <laughs> this is true. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah. I do like that. Like you walk into a room and before you even notice that there are enemies in the room, Zelda has just put up a big light shield around <laughs> herself and is like, I, I'll be here. Yeah. You stay out that way. <laughs> uh, so that that was funny. Mm-hmm. But you do, uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's not like I don't like the, the rundown. Mm-hmm. It's just like... It could be more interesting. Yeah, you just ran up. Yeah. Why I run down now? Can I complain for one second about uh, Iron, Iron Knuckle? Yeah, I think is the name of this enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a big armored guy with a with a giant axe, mm-hmm. and they took the that he does a ton of damage, and they made the consideration of whenever you fight one in the spirit temple, at least there's always a pillar nearby that he can break and give you hearts. Mm-hmm. But he's the easiest enemy in the whole game to fight. He's much easier to fight than Keys. The bat enemy that flies at you during all points of the game. Uh-huh. Because you just don't go <laughs> near him, and then you do a jump attack, mm-hmm. and then you walk away again. Yeah, you just jump away. Mm-hmm. It's weird to him. me that they went through so much effort to make sure that like he wasn't too punishing when he is not in any way punishing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like a balancing concern. Like they wanted him to do a ton of damage, so they felt like they couldn't make him like crazy difficult to fight. Yeah, I guess and that makes they sense. They probably also like underestimated people's ability to like a, you know, like as I said earlier, like they made certain decisions obviously cuz they wanted people to understand a 3D game. Right. Probably were a bit too concerned about that. Yeah, it probably was harder at the time as well. Yeah, like I remember them being hard like back in the day, like mm-hmm. when I played it the first time. Yeah. But yeah, it's like one of those things though, like once you like understand how the enemies work or they have like a defensive stance in a non-defensive stance, like it's <laughs> pretty obvious and easy yeah yeah fight those clams yeah you get it down you're like oh he's got this butt toward me that's time to spike shield. Butt. yeah anyway so you make it to the bottom of that uh <laughs> tower that's just my brief detour mm-hmm. the combat in this game overall i think is like is such a good first attempt yeah. at, at 3d sword fight combat uh and I can't, I can't say anything really to detract. Like, I don't think it is badly designed. No, it's just pretty simple. Yeah, it just ends up being really simple and involves a lot of just sort of, like, standing around mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, but the Ganon fight feels way more proactive, and I actually kind of like it because of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, overall, uh, I think Ocarina of Time has the best final boss in the Zelda series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
like I think by like a like a country mile. Like wow. the, the Ganon the escape sequence or Ganondorf escape sequence monster Ganon. Yeah. I think is just like great. Like the uh the no Navi versus Ganondorf and then the no Master Sword versus Ganon. Right. Like it's once again has like that memorable factor to me. Um, the, the other games in the series, I think focus too much on the sword fight thing. Yeah. And while they do have more complicated combat than this game, like the Zelda series has never had like good, like sword combat as far as like an action game goes. Yeah. There's not a lot of like, because of the game's emphasis on items and stuff, there's never been a lot of like real estate to use for different attacks. And it feels like this game realizes that it makes you use them on the boss. And the other games sort of want to focus more on the dramatic factor. Yeah. I'm going to tentatively agree with you on this. Yeah, it's like, I really like the presentation of Wind Wakers, where you fight Ganondorf in, like, the sinking tower. Yeah. But it is kind of just a sword fight. Sure is. Um, yeah, and, like, Twilight Princess is tries to do this, but bigger. Uh, and I think it, it ends up being considerably weaker, in my opinion. <laughs> It also just takes a very long time. Yeah, it's time. not bad by any means. Like, I yeah. like Twilight Princess a lot. It just feels like this, but again. Right. Well, that's kind of... I mean, that was the critical response to Twilight Princess. Oh, yeah, was that yeah, it, yeah. it was Ocarina of but Time again. I, I feel like they do it well in a lot of areas of the game, but the final boss is one where it just feels lazy. Yeah, I agree. So my question to you, yes. because to me there was one... There was one very obvious and almost insultingly simple choice to make uh-huh. when the Master Sword gets taken away from you, and that was to just equip the hammer and use it the same way I was using oh, yeah. a sword. Is there a way, is there a different way that is cooler and more interesting, and or how did you do it? Uh, I, I fight him with the hook shot. Oh, sick. All right. Um, yeah, you get to get in close to him, and, like, before he starts to, like, wind up to hit you, you hit him with the hook shot, which will stun him for, like, a little bit. Uh-huh. It's really short, but then you can just hop around the side of him and hit his tail with the hook shot. Uh-huh. Um, and that's how I fight him if I run out of magic. Like, if I d- haven't run out of magic yet, I will hit him with the light arrow. And right. Then, and then maybe hit him with the hook shot or an arrow, probably an arrow, like a regular arrow or whatever's easiest, maybe the hammer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, then if I use up all the magic in the arena, which I have always done, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I finish him off by like hitting him with the hook shot. Nice. And I you like can do that. similarly with just regular arrows. You can stun him for a second and then hit his tail. Right. Yeah, I use the light arrows in the like second phase where you have the master sword. Yeah. Um, but for the first phase, I just used the hammer and then just strafed a lot. Mm. Uh just tried to stay out of his, like, damage arc. But this is also why it, he took me down to almost dead health. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was, like, trying to jump around him and, like, get in behind him. Um, and that just doesn't work yeah. when you have the Master Sword. Like, he's, right. he's much more reactive in that phase. Yeah. As when you have to use the light arrows. Um, yeah, I don't, there's probably other ways to hurt him, too, knowing Zelda. Yeah. I'm sure you can, like, bomb him. Like, you can, throw the bomb between his legs and have it hit the tail from the front? I, you can hit the tail with bombs, I know, but it's hard to, like, get the timing right. Yeah. Oh, um, then how about the two places in the whole game where you have to use a bomb chew? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's in the Spirit Temple, I think. Yep. I liked that it was there, but I don't like how bomb chews work. Yeah. I They're a weird item. Yeah. Um... I, I went out of my way to get them early this time because I feel like it's the sort of thing like Hyrule uh, Castle Town is like a 
like a pre-rendered background mm-hmm. sort of area. And in the original game, I know the stores did not have unique storefronts, so it was really easy to overlook a lot of the stuff in <laughs> Castletown. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna go to Bombshoe Alley early and get the bomb shoes and then you just don't need them <laughs> and then there's like multiple places where you just get given them yep so i was like well they're also a reward for i think 30 skull, uh gold skull yeah, yeah 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 uh so i was like egg on my face for that um <laughs> but yeah they are weird they just feel underdeveloped which is probably why they're optional like they feel like something that they cut and they were like well we'll we finished it so we'll keep it in yeah we'll put like one time that you have to use them yeah they're interesting in the fact that like of what they do but it feels like th- between the 3D movement controls and how erratically they move on the ground mm-hmm. it feels real it feels more difficult than it probably actually is to aim them yeah but anyway you probably can't use bomb shoes to fight ganon <laughs> i mean if you look at the lucky shot yeah uh, I would like to see that challenge run. Yeah, only bomb cheese. Mm-hmm. Bomb cheese only Ganon. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I uh, just think it ends really spectacularly. Yeah. the end. I ended up, the way that I played this game, I, like, finished Spirit Temple, went back to the, the Temple of Time, mm-hmm. got the cutscene, saved the game, stopped playing, mm-hmm. and then only later did I come back to do the uh the ganon fight actually mm-hmm. and uh getting to sit down and just do ganon's castle plus the ganondorf fight and the ganon fight mm-hmm. is a really good sort of like individual piece of of gameplay it's sort of maybe the strongest part of the game yeah like the the little mini dungeon reprisals uh are satisfying mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i feel like they got it just right Definitely. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. It it just it's it's a really good send off to the game. Make you use all your abilities one one last time, and go and fight Ganondorf. Do we have thoughts of wisdom, courage, and strength? Courage, wisdom, and power. You fucking nerd. Do we have Triforce thoughts? <laughs> Uh, my Triforce <laughs> thoughts are, uh, I think this, it's really weird to talk about games like this, mm-hmm. um, when you didn't play them when they came out, um, because I probably played this 10 years after it came out for the first time, and I, I really enjoyed it, but, like, I don't have that, like, nostalgic attachment to it like I do to, like, Mario 64 or, like, Pokemon Red and Blue, like, I'm a definite, like, 30-year-old, like, nostalgic... <laughs> man about those games uh-huh. but this one i'm not like that but i still really like it a lot um i have that old games literacy um that let me go back and play this and like still really enjoy it but uh it is clunky um it was made in 1998 and it does show in certain places um but for me like those don't come anywhere even close to like bringing it down like very much um a lot of the stuff that's special about the game really shine through for me. Like I was talking about at the beginning, um, like I feel like it has some inspired design choices. Um, not so much on the mechanical side, although those are also good, but more on like the presentation side. And the, those are the things that really do it for me. Like um, things like the fact that Link isn't really Kokiri, but 
everyone thinks he is so you come back to the town later in the game and they don't recognize you mm-hmm. like that's a really cool detail that adds a lot um there's a lot of little things like that and the fact that yeah like it has the child timeline where everything's more carefree and it really emphasizes like how shitty the world is now <laughs> after uh ganon's taken it over and um when, yeah and you first come out of the temple of time at the end it's adult link and it's just like a fuck to death pile of nothing <laughs> Um, it just really, like, there's a lot of little details like that that make the whole game hit harder. Um, and I think that's why this game is remembered so fondly, um, when it comes down to it. Um, and I, I feel like it does all that stuff really well. I was talking, I had my whole big thing at the beginning about, um, the age of the developers and them kind of being in their prime and making something, um, that felt like a you know, like a passion project and like it had a lot of cool new ideas they were excited about. And for me, that really shines through. And I think that's why this game is still worth going back to, um, especially the 3DS version. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like this a lot, but yeah, it's definitely not perfect. Um, and it isn't going to be for everybody, but I don't know. It really does it for me. And I'm glad I'm one of those people that, that can enjoy it still. Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> you mentioned presentation there, and I don't, once again, we're, we're not the most well-equipped to talk about this kind of stuff before I jump into my final thoughts. I do have to mention that this game also sort of invented good music in video games. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Like, I, I love Koji Kondo's music. Yeah, and every overworld theme, every dungeon theme, everything in this game is extremely evocative, and there's nothing in this this that is, like, annoying or, like that drones on it's all peppy mostly and catchy and sticks in your head and so that's definitely also part of the presentation and part of why uh they were able to make a game that was centered around a musical instrument because there's so much music present in the game and then the music itself also being good music really helps drive that theme home and make it sort of work uh but i'm sure a million billion people have talked about that so Mm -hmm. um yeah, so to finish up, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, it's really easy, in my opinion, to give the broad strokes of this game and kind of talk about like what it is and what the themes and the presentation are the things that this game does really well. It has, like, even to this day, when you look at something like the Fire Temple, or you think about that big spider web, or you, you know, put the iron boots on and raise the water level in the Water Temple, it all comes across very clearly. The game, you remember these temples from when you played them, even if you did play them when you were five or six years old or whatever, because it's such a memorable and well-designed sort of world. Um... (laughs) The difficult part, especially considering the big game I talk when I walk in, I'm like, I didn't have any fun playing Ocarina, but I could fight me or whatever. This is a really well-designed game for the time, but for the time means that now it is hard to play. Like, to me, I found this game just sort of like, it felt very tedious to make my way through. Even when I knew what I was supposed to be doing, it wasn't like easy breezy going through everything it was it was like slogging through stuff and taking a lot of detours and going through loading screens and talking to people and it to me it feels 
kind of old in that way. It, But on the other hand, what we'd mostly talked about during this is you go in and you have a cool puzzle and there's something that you really like doing and there's a magic in that. And I think that that is what makes this game special now is you're sort of being let in on the, on the club of people in like the, in a video game community, especially one in 2021 that is so split between people who have differing opinions on every imaginable facet of video games. Even if I don't like playing Ocarina right now, I still like Ocarina and I like the fact that it exists and is out there and it did a lot for, uh, sort of games generally. Uh, they really just can't be denied. So you play Ocarina not necessarily because it's a must-play game right now. I think that there are a lot of Zelda games that you could play that are going to give you a more unique experience that you really can't get in other places. But you play Ocarina so that you're in on the on the culture. People know Ocarina and they want to talk about Ocarina and uh it it is it's it's worth it for that. It's like uh the introduction to video games like course that you would take in a college uh to understand because there's a lot of great design that you can learn from this as well. So uh I don't know. <laughs> it's a really good game that I just think has aged a lot in the last especially in the last 10 years. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Life is Strange 3, uh, which is actually called Life is Strange True Colors, but I've just been calling it Life is Strange 3 since it came out. Um, it is a kind of a not-fitting name, because it, <laughs> it is like the fifth Life is Strange game. Sure. If you go by everything that has the title. Um the first in the series not to be episodic when it was released. It is. It all came out in a single uh, release, like an individual package. And I played it about a month ago, uh, so I'm going to try and remember all the stuff in it. I'm dying to play it. <laughs> I have not had the time. And we will be back to talk about that then. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. Uh, there you can find links to all of our old episodes, our YouTube, our Twitter, uh, our email address if you want to send us a good job email. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can check out on the YouTube. We have a playlist of all of our old episodes and several of them by genre. Uh, you can listen to us talk about, oh boy, uh, Wind Waker, uh, uh, fucking <laughs> Link's Awakening. The Minish Cap. The Minish Cap. Breath of the Wild. We've done a Zelda game a year, uh, pretty much, since we started. Yep. So. It took us this long to get to Ocarina, <laughs> but we finally got there. I oh, and Majora's it... Mask we've also done. Uh, yes, and Majora. So we've now covered the N64. <sighs> Uh, which means the next year, if I can mark your calendars, we're talking about Link's crossbow training. It's gonna happen. Uh, uh, I feel like the subscribe button is gonna is getting a little rusty. Gonna have to hit it with the hammer. Yeah, break out your megaton hammer. Give it a, me- a megaton like 
<laughs> Boys. <laughs>